Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, hello. We're back. Uh, feeling better. I was sick last week. I apologize, yeah. everyone. <laughs> Unfortunately, we didn't get an episode in last week, but you know, this one's going to be a good one. It's going to make up for it. I'm setting expectations high. I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> no, this is going to be the best episode. <laughs> No, it'll the make up for last gamers week. in ever. <laughs> I feel like every episode of the gamers in is the best gamers in ever. We just Me top too. I never go. I never go back and listen to them. So yeah, as far as I'm concerned, this right now, what's happening is the best gamers in ever. And no one can ever prove me wrong because I'm never going to listen to anything else. So uh, yeah, I listened to like yeah. the first like couple minutes and then I listened to the last couple minutes. Like, damn, that's the best four minutes of podcasting I've ever heard. <laughs> It's like, yep, there's let's a just hope it all. everything in the middle must be fine. <laughs> yeah, let's just hope everything in the middle holds together. But like, whew, that's some good stuff. That's some good bookends. That's some good well, intro banter and outro banter. <laughs> Speaking of expectations, hmm. the first thing I'm going out of order from your yeah, notes, do Ryan. It. Sorry, not sorry. I want to know your thoughts <laughs> on Sonic because honestly, right. okay, I, I even my friend at work even came up to me and was like, Okay, Sonic was really good. And I'm like, like, no. That was a facial (laughs) expression in case you didn't hear that. I do not believe you. (laughs) Uh, Okay, yeah. So I saw the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. And here's the thing. We're going to preface this conversation with the fact that, you know, I'm I'm always, I'm pretty positive. But if I don't like something, I will flat out tell you, like, it's if it's bad. And the thing is, but then he'll make a whole bunch of excuses for it. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, yes, of course. But the thing about Sonic the Hedgehog is it's actually a good uh, video game movie. And no, oh it, my God, it is. I'm sorry. I don't believe you. I don't believe, I don't believe the internet. I don't believe my friend at work. I don't believe you. I, there is no way that they took that mm-hmm. dumpster fire of a movie and made it good. I don't believe it. So here's the here's here's my math on it. And and this is a kids movie. This is a family movie. It's not it's not like uh, you know, I'm trying to think of another video game adaptation. Like it's not like Tomb Raider where this is for, you know, the mature gamer. No, this is a right. family movie. Um it's very good for kids. There's no uh and I haven't had a chance to talk about it on Dungeons and Diapers, but I did take the kids to see it. Um, just a small preview for Dungeons and Diapers. Just because your youngest gets in for free, that's not usually a perk. Um, that's that's just a thing that they do so they don't charge you when you have to walk out of the movies. I did. We lasted the whole movie, but I don't remember a whole lot about it because I spent majority of the movie either giving snacks to the kids or telling Abigail that Sonic was coming back in just a moment and you're just going to have to watch Jim Carrey for a little bit, which I thought was delightful, but evidently, Abby, not a big fan, more of a fan (laughs) of Sonic the Hedgehog, which I do not blame her. Um, You know, you remember the original trailers and we remember watching it. Even when they had the bad Sonic design, it was like, this is is looking like a great Jim Carrey movie. I honestly... Okay, I will will give it that, Mm -hmm. that when I saw the scenes with Jim Carrey... I was kind of like, okay, I'm on board. I can see where this is going. He does a good job. He's a funny, funny man. Okay, I'll give you Jim Carrey. Yep. Even though there were a couple of lines in the trailer that I was like, well, that's kind of like the obvious direction to take that joke or whatever. 
And I also had the worry that I have with a lot of comedies. It's like, you know, when they show you the trailers and the trailers are freaking hilarious. And then you go and watch the actual movie and you're like, every single funny punchline was in the trailer. And now the rest of the movie doesn't have any funny in it. That's kind of what I assumed because I was like, yeah, okay. There's a couple of Jim Carrey jokes that got me in that trailer, which makes me think those are the only good lines. And it's just going to be terrible when I actually go to the movie. Like my expectations are I- you They're not what? even low. They're like almost non-existent. If like- <laughs> your expectations are non-existent, I, w- I will upgrade this to you should probably just go see it as opposed to <sighs> you should wait to rent it. And and I know, you know, you're working Which full time Which is always now. my plan is yeah. I was just like, Ugh, I'm not even going to bother going to the theater. I'm just going to rent this because my thinking essentially is if they got the visuals so wrong then how is this a good movie? <laughs> like, okay. how could they nail the plot and the and the jokes and the ideas and everything else if they couldn't even get the visual right? And you would think that the visual is the first thing you want to nail down because you want mm-hmm. to, you know, grab your audience. You want to sell merchandise. Like, nobody's going to buy that original Sonic. That thing was disgusting. Yeah, it was like, bad. It was uncanny valley creepy like with those teeth man like I don't, we don't need to let's not let's not think about the I'm teeth i'm just saying i'm just saying like if that's what they thought a good sonic was then how can they design an entire movie around that when they got the visual so wrong which you think would be the first thing that they would try to nail so it's like if that was their attempt at good like, what is everything surrounding that? And I just thought it would be a horribly awful, terrible. Okay. Well, you know, it's <laughs> this is the weird thing about it because you're absolutely right. How do they make a movie? Because And this is the way visual effects work, right? They shoot the movie, they script the movie, and then they know what the character looks like and they then they, they put it in, in post. Um, right. I mean, they would have a concept of what Sonic would look like, I would assume, but they don't have the final final design. They're putting that all all in post unless it's like a pre-existing character, for example, Endgame or Infinity War with Thanos. He'd existed for quite a while in a digital format. So they knew exactly or at least what he would look like to a certain degree very closely. Um, but in this case, like they might have been working on Sonic. This movie was filmed almost two or three years ago. I remember hearing a lot about it back in, you know, in like 2017, 2018. So they've been it's been it's been shot for a while. Um, but that is the perplexing thing is that you watch this film and they have a good movie around the effects. Uh, so when they swap, you know, uh, teeth Sonic for normal <laughs> looking, let's make a Sonic movie. And that's the first thing you think of is let's make Sonic look like Sonic. Um, it works. It works really well. Cause, and I think that's the only reason they changed it because they knew they had, a salvageable movie here and the only thing that was going to bring it down was that was that design by no means is it perfect don't get me wrong i i stand by my verdict that this is a great right. video game film it's just like saying this is a great video game but for the wii right though that that often you know much maligned so it does comparison. have like a little bit of a caveat here like because yeah i legit saw reviews on twitter that were like Sonic is going to be the next Shrek. Like uh, everyone's a blah, 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 like blowing 
smoke up its ass if sonic has an ass i don't really know I and now i'm my so. brain is going into this weird like don't think about that just no, go back I don't to the teeth that. that's sorry, the better sorry. yeah go, go yeah. going back to the teeth yeah okay uh, but you know what i mean like it's just like people just seem to and maybe it's because everyone's expectations were so low mm -hmm. so then because we had a whole bunch of low expectations the reviews coming in are a lot better than they would have been if we had you know moderate expectations if we hadn't gone through that whole sonic redesign Mm -hmm. Maybe people would have gone in thinking, oh, this might be okay. And then when it was okay, they would have been like, okay. And instead, they're like, this is going to be a dumpster fire. And then it was okay. And they're like, oh my God, it exceeds expectations so much. This is going to be, you know, the next generation Shrek, blah, I mean, blah, blah. Like, I Sonic, don't know. Sonic has always been big with, with the kids. I mean, there's, as, since I remember, since I was a kid, they've always had an animated show. They had one in the 90s. They had one in the early 2000s. I don't remember. I don't remember a Sonic show ever, but we mm -hmm. never had cable. So, yeah, we, we, I'm trying to think like we didn't have cable. We but, had like literally CBC. Yeah, we did too. <laughs> and I think, I think there was maybe one channel that we could get and then we got satellite at some point. Uh, and then we, and then we watched like the Saturday morning cartoons. There was Sonic, there was Kirby. These were the animes that were sort of played. Uh, in the early 2000s and Sonic continues to be this force uh, to reckon with when it comes to children's television but when it comes to video games it is so hit and miss and more miss these days uh, I saw that Sonic Generations which is a fantastic game is going to be free for Xbox Live Gold members mid-March and then PlayStation Plus is getting Sonic Forces which is by all means a, an atrocious game terrible reviews but when it comes to media, I, I think they they do try their their best to develop a good, you know, family oriented kids product, and I think that's where Sonic the Hedgehog does really well. But is it the next track? I don't think so. Is it going to be great for Paramount? I I think it's going to do well. They set up a sequel, you know, very lightly, like video game esque, uh, and there will be no doubt a Sonic the Hedgehog two. This movie's doing really well, but. Going back to the Jim Carrey thing, like my I loved Jim Carrey when I was a kid. I still like him to this day. But this is Jim Carrey like we haven't seen since Bruce Almighty. That would be the last movie of Jim Carrey where you remember zany, family-friendly, comedic Jim Carrey. Mm. And he's back in this. I really liked I really liked Bruce Almighty. That, yeah. I've seen that movie a few times now. It's oh man. Good. It's amazing, and the fact that they they bring back that Jim Carrey, and he pulls off like Robotnik is not is a very one dimensional character. He's an egg shaped man who loves robots that hates Sonic, <laughs> and he's just a bad That's guy. That's pretty much it. <laughs> and and in this movie, they actually make him pretty uh, believable, but also kind of like even the U.S. government is afraid of him. Like Robotnik is this government agent who they bring in for like black ops type stuff and he's a drone expert so it fits right in with now it's kind of scary in, in how they've mm -hmm. been able to sort of meld it in tie and, it in yeah to yeah. what's actually going on right now i know and it's, it's like it's a wild. near future sort of like our world but not exactly movie. yeah and he is kind of portrayed like robotnik is portrayed as this just high highly intelligent antisocial 
doesn't get along with anybody, but he's so smart that people have to get along with him. I mean, you see it in the trailer when he he first comes off his sort of RV thing and talks to the major and talks down to him and basically tears tears him down. He's like that in the entire film. He's even like that to people who work like directly for him, like his assistant. And he just, he, he doesn't, in the games, like Robotnik hates Sonic because in the movie, you quickly understand why he hates Sonic. He hates Sonic because he's never failed, because he's so damn smart. So as soon as this little weird blue alien starts to make him fail, he kind of loses his mind and and just and and it works because it fits within the video game side of things like right. Sonic I need to get Sonic, you know, and that's my only driving force. It's like, okay, how do you get there? It doesn't matter. It's a video game. Well, this is a movie and they so develop that. you need that. more than that. Okay. Yeah, and you know, the fact that Sonic's on our world, they explain that, you know, pretty well like they use the spider-man trope great power comes with great responsibility also run real fast uh they're gonna come take your powers a little bit and as a children's movie it just works really well like caden really enjoyed it i i liked it am i gonna like buy it on 4k and watch it all the time probably not i might rent it again when it comes out because honestly i remember more about what snacks we had as opposed to what movie we watched because again i was so it kept caden's interest caden liked it uh you know abby's still a little young for the movies yeah you know she uh and and i i could only i had a choice i could only i was either not going to see it or i was going to bring the two kids and i've been working (laughs) a bunch and i was like you know what guys we're gonna try it see how it goes i think caden was about abby's age when when we i first took him to a movie and Abby just has a different. What was Caden's type of it. first movie? Uh, we went and saw The Grinch, the new Grinch. Um, oh, okay. And and he really liked it. I think he's sort of that one's a little different because it's all cartoon. Whereas I think the reason Abby got a little sidetracked is because it was only cartoon when Sonic was on screen. Mm, so whenever and that's the, the part uh, she liked, yeah, yeah, she really liked it. And now they're all about Sonic. So we were playing. Um, I have Sonic Mania on the Switch, and that's what we were playing. And and they're all over it. And Caden just wants to watch, but Abby wants to play. So she was she was doing really well as Knuckles because essentially she could only jump. So as yep. you jump with Knuckles, you start gliding. So she actually was doing pretty well. Um. But yeah, okay, I, so so last question. Mm-hmm. Because we've talked about Jim Carrey, we've talked about Sonic. There's like a third character in this movie that I was really on the fence about. Uh-huh. And that's James Marsden. Right. So how does that because he plays like I guess he's is he a cop or is he just he, happens to be the dude that finds Sonic? He's a cop. He's so uh, you're in a okay, small. So he uh, is a cop. I couldn't remember if I was remembering him correctly mm-hmm. Um, because he hasn't been. I mean, he's in X-Men. He was in the notebook, which, you know, sure. Swoon. I never but, seen that um, one. <laughs> well, wait, what? I've never seen the notebook. Oh, my God. Dude, I've seen the notebook probably 57 times really? you need to stop recording now yeah no it's like one of my favorite movies of all time you need to stop recording you need to go watch the notebook you need to cry your eyes out and then come back and talk to me is that the one with the movie poster where ryan gosling's crying but you can't tell because it's raining yes okay uh sure yeah i'll add it to my list i i wonder if ashley's seen it Oh, I'm sure Ashley's student. Like, I would bet money on it. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, I'm going to text her and just we'll get live updates. Uh, yeah. You. Seen uh, but anyway, so, yeah, James, 
James Marsden of Notebook fame right. uh, also did, you know, Westworld and X-Men and like he's been in lots of stuff, but he just um, has never inspired me. Yeah. And <laughs> in this, any we talked about like this like last last little, episode. Yeah. He's kind of a little bit like background character almost like a, a little bit one note. I hate to like. But he's always like the do-gooder kind of guy. And he kind of broke out of that a little bit in Westworld. But I don't know. Like, was was he a good, like, partner for Sonic? Did the dialogue, did they play off each other well? Uh, so, and Ashley has seen The Notebook, but a while of ago. Of course she has. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I knew of it. But I, I guess I it, I missed that window. <laughs> um, we, we talked about this last episode where James Marsden, eh, you know, I don't know. He's kind of there's something about him he's like the every guy right so he's perfectly cast right and he's got those eyes (laughs) he does uh, have those eyes (laughs) you know i did experience that in the movie and i'm like okay i can kind of see it and he's delightful honestly he plays a great every guy um he is a he is the chief of police in a small town so it's him and another cop great stuff there you know people calling him because you know the power goes out and everyone's calling him because the power goes out and his the way he plays off Sonic actually works quite well in the sense that he's the every guy and he plays it really well. And then Sonic's like the fish out of water, but the highly educated fish out of water, if that makes sense, because uh, Sonic doesn't want anyone to see him, but he's constantly engaging with like pop culture. And he's he's essentially like pretended he's best friends with James Marsden's character before they even meet. And that's okay. That's kind of how Sonic is so attached to James Marsden, but James Marsden doesn't even know. I guess his character's name is Tom, I think. So Tom doesn't even know who Sonic is uh, until until they do meet for the first time. And, and the way they kind of latch on to each other uh, in the story works really well. Because it's not like... It's it's just it's uh, it feels more organic than than kind of a forced sort of, oh, we need to work together. It's more like... Uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain without kind of just going through the story beats. But I I really like James Marsden. I didn't think I would, but he he plays really well with Sonic. There are some other characters that are a little more you know stale and forced. Like Tom has a a partner. She doesn't show up very much. She has more to do in the second like sort of the later parts of the uh, of the movie, um, and that's where she more more shines. But she's got like a he's got like a sister in law that hates him. And and like really hates him for some reason. That's where it kind of that that was really bad. Like I was like, okay, yeah, the sister and the in law trope. They don't like the guy, but he's delightful. I, I don't get it. I don't know why you don't like. Like okay, maybe no one's good enough for your sister, but like this is James Marston, chief of police. We're talking about here. I think he's good <laughs> enough. Uh, yeah, he's, you well, know. I'm glad that you know. I, I mean, it, actors always say that it's kind of difficult to play characters that have to like bounce things off of a character that isn't necessarily there or you know like act with like yeah the floaty there's no like you know that when they do interact you don't feel like there's float floatiness like that's always the clear sign in early cg like when someone picks up a cg character and they're just kind of floating in their arms they they do a lot of strategic work to make that look good there's a, a really great scene where where they're sort of on the run and they go to a they go to a bar and they like crudely you know um, 
put Sonic in in like a like a poncho and a hat, and it's like, oh, he's incognito, right? And uh, <laughs> that's a there's a great scene there where where they are just having a blast and like blowing off some steam and and having fun in this bar. And yes, Sonic has a chili dog. Uh, they play darts. They have some good times. They start a bar fight. It it just you don't think it's gonna work, and then they do something, and it's like, oh wow, that worked, you know. And hmm. the, I don't know, like it's just I I don't. This gives so me hope. Something it is something that I should go see because it's a fairly well done appeals to kids video game movie. I think so. Like it doesn't feel like if they had done it with the old design, it would feel like wow, this is a cash in. But because they redesigned it all, it really feels like they they really wanted to deliver on a good Sonic. I remember when this was announced. It's like man, we are really scraping the bottom of the license barrel here. But they've uh, they've treated the what little source material and and they treated the characters well like who would have thought we'd be saying that sonic is good on film robotnik is good on film mm-hmm. and kind of the way they bring the game universe in works and there's some there's some cool like there's a there's a mid credit scene which if you're a fan of sonic you got to stick around for it because it's it's totally it's it's like some really great fan service and that's all I'll say but there's a mid credit scene in a video game movie about Sonic and people are excited about that. And it's <laughs> what a wild world we live in. <laughs> Very much so. Well, speaking of wild worlds, uh, tell me about Darksiders Genesis, because this world is a world I love to live in. Mm-hmm. And then they went and made it all weird and <laughs> I'm super bummed about it. So please at least tell me it's a decent game to play. Right, so uh, I received a, a code for this on console. It came out on PC and Stadia late last year, and then it came to consoles uh, February 14th, so mid-February. So I've been playing it for about a week, and uh, yeah, it's... Here's the thing. Darksiders <laughs> is weird. And, you know, Darksiders 1 caught everyone off guard. Oh, it's like a Dark Zelda. Everyone wanted a Dark Zelda, and we got it. And it's this dude, Liam O'Brien voice, just talking all gruff and stabbing people. Um, and that was great. And then Darksiders 2 came out. And I think they they kept what we loved about Darksiders, but added the loot element to it. So it yeah. worked. And then Darksiders 3 came out. And they're like, they complete they kept the aesthetic. They kept the sounds, the voices, the characters. But they added this Dark Souls combat to it. And it was really jarring. And... Yeah, that... I kind of got over that by the time I got to the end. And I think if I had a better console to play it on, I mm. might have liked it better because a lot of the issues that I had were the fact that it was like a little bit like chuggy and laggy and then also had that Dark Souls mm. punishment. So then I would like chug and lag and then be like, oh, and you're dead. And I was like, oh, man. So, yeah. Yeah. Darksiders 3 was... I'm still on the fence about it. It wasn't terrible. And I liked the story. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, anything with like seven deadly sins is just going to like rope me right in. <laughs> yeah. And from what I've played of Dark Souls 3, I think once you find your preference for playing, and I think I turned mm-hmm. it just to like story mode because I just can't. They they later on, they added like ca- not casual, but classic combat which allowed you to break out of animations and heal whenever you wanted to. And, and that helped a lot. Um, but with Darksiders Genesis, I think they were very much upfront about this is, this is a Darksiders game, but it's kind of a spinoff. It's not a sequel. It's very, it's right. So this, 
this doesn't actually finish the story, right? No. At the end of Darksiders 3, like, we didn't get any kind of, like, end (laughs) to that, to the whole, like, arc, really. (laughs) I would imagine that Darksiders 4 will will kind of keep the story moving. This one's more of a prequel. Assuming there is a 4. I mean, here, like... THQ Nordic, are, which are the license holders for, for Darksiders now, they've done this weird thing where they, they know how to make a, a profitable video game, even if it doesn't necessarily hit home. And I think if you had told me like uh, maybe six years ago that we were going to get more Darksiders, you know, one after another, I'd be like, no, that's crazy. Like THQ went under, Darksiders is no more. But then we got Darksiders 3. Then we got Darksiders Genesis. It's a good time to be a Darksiders fan because both those games are really good uh, in terms of preserving the look, the the feel, the sound, the characters, like all that. The story, the very like Hell on Earth, the Nephilims, the Council, the balance, blah de blah you know, that sort of thing. And Darksiders Genesis does that as well. Like it, it is a prequel. So it takes place, I believe, before uh, Darksiders 1. Um, you play as, it is an action RPG, very similar to Diablo. So it's kind of like a isometric camera, three quarters view further out. So it's pulled back. So y- you do have that jarring sort of, I got to get used to this because you're so used to the 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 way you, you're, you're used to playing your Darksiders yeah. game. Um, but once you get past that, the combat feels pretty good. Like, it feels pretty solid. It's button mashy at times. I would say, you know, at the at the worst of times, it, it feels like you're kind of being tossed around by enemies. But at the best of times, you are kind of just smashing buttons and you're seeing, like, effects all over. And it's just, it's really so is satisfying. It, is it fun? Because, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Diablo, but I know a lot of people do like that style of game mm-hmm. where it's just, like run as fast as you can, pull big packs of enemies, have big spell effects go off, make numbers too big to comprehend, and then spew loot everywhere. Like, right. that is that is some people's favorite style of game. So, like, was Darksiders true to that? Was was it fun to play? It, it is fun to play. Uh, I, I really found the fun as I was going forward because it's a linear experience in the sense that you are experiencing a story. Uh, it's not like Diablo in that you're you're in it for the loot, you're in it for the numbers, you're in it for you know killing as many things as possible. You are moving through a finite amount of enemies. Um, each you, there are seventeen chapters. Each chapter differs a little bit. There are some more open chapters where you get to summon your horse and kind of run around and explore the areas and you know find treasure chests and items to upgrade yourself. There um, similar to like Zelda and other Darksiders games. There are the health cores and the wrath cores. So if you collect five of them, it gives you another little, you know, bit of wrath or a bit of health. And that's really fun. And you find like in the map, you find like a a map stone and that tells you where all the collectibles are. And I love that because that's very Zelda, you know, oh, I know that there's a, you know, a a coin over here that I can go get and kind of collect them all. So mm-hmm. it it's less of a drive in Di- like in Diablo of like, got to get all the loot, got to get as much killing done, all that fun stuff. It's more about, I, I need to either complete this quest. You're given a very clear objective. And most of the time it's like, go kill this dude. And then he's at the end of the level. 
but other times there are side missions. So for example, I just did a, a level before we recorded where it's like, you need to go kill this dude. However, there are these three drills across the map that you can go and kill. And sometimes it's as straightforward as throwing a bomb at the drill. And then other times it's like, okay, we got to throw a bomb at the drill, but you got to set up your portals first and throw the bomb through the portal. And that's the only way to destroy the drill. And that's one of three. So there are a lot of these logic puzzles that come up alongside the combat that kind of break things up a lot. So I found as I was progressing through the game, there was enough in between the combat to keep things interesting because there's an arena mode. And if you just do the combat, it feels pretty dry after those 10 rounds. Like I'd be good to take a break from combat and go do a puzzle or something. Yeah. And, uh, but I think as long as you're not like driving yourself nuts, going through just the arena and trying to get high scores, it's broken up enough with story and collectibles and stuff that I found that the combat really didn't drag me down. The combat's fun, don't get me wrong, but it's definitely not as varied as Diablo, where mm. uh, that's where I think with Diablo, right, you where... can you can only play with Wrath or or sorry, War or Strife, right? Like you have two characters, and I'm assuming they play differently. They do play differently, so yeah, you control War, which is very similar to Darksiders One. Strife, this is the newest edition in the sense that you've never been able to play as Strife before. And he is the he is the cowboy, the the gunslinger, essentially, in the game. So all of his moves and Really, because I thought that was like Death's Jam in the mm. second one was the gun thing. Wasn't she a whip person? She was No, a... that was um that was oh that was Wrath. That was the, oh, the you most said death. Yeah, one. you're right. Yeah, death, death was Yeah, Death in the second one was He yeah. was a gun guy. Okay. Yeah. Kind of looked like Casey Jones. I just thought he was a hockey guy, but <laughs> uh, no, yeah. So, so Strife is is a gunner, and he all of his moves. So essentially, the way it's broken down is um, Strife. You're, you're gonna you do have the option to get in close and personal with your your two swords, but it's not as effective as using your gun. And there are like damage amplifiers, so there are two. You can have two types of bullets equipped at the same time. So some of the early ones you get are like a charge shot and a beam shot. And you can kind of mix those up as you go forward. And then as you kill more guys, you do build up like a sort of a uh, supersonic mode where um, that offers an alternate sort of um, ability for your weapon. So for example, there's like a lava shot. So if you fill up your, I think it's called hot streak, you then activate like a flamethrower for that ammo. And it allows you to clear the screen much quicker. Whereas with Wrath, he's got sort of enhancements to his ability. Uh, so, for example, there's one ability that's called like Death Touch. So, if you hold the triangle <laughs> button, yeah, I don't know why that sounds so funny to me. <laughs> it, it's a little funny, like you know, Death Touch. He he just uh, he he touches you and you're marked. And then if he, he he kills you, you explode, and then that spreads the the mark to other enemies and and that's an enhancement so you can kind of switch your enhancements on the fly and your bullet types on the fly with a quick uh sort of holding l and then moving your your right analog stick to kind of select them but then each character also has sort of ability powers that use the the little wrath um uh segments so there's you know uh war does his uh he slams down and a bunch of swords pop out around him it's sort of an aoe and then Strife has one where he will, it's very similar to um, Vala in Heroes of the Storm. He'll, he'll like 
scoot back like he'll dodge and leave like a shadow dude to start shooting people or he will you know jump up and throw some caltrops down and caldrops or whatever they're called um and i think that's a, yeah caltrops they're caltrops. like the yeah i think they're like the little spiky things yeah he plays he uh, plays yeah. uh jacks with with everybody basically yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh that's why i was like always confused by that um but yeah no the combat's really solid the story is really cool so it's a prequel um Volgrim's in it you 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 feel like you're oh, meeting yay. him for the I first love time <laughs> yeah so you kind of get although I guess war has amnesia in the first one so maybe he doesn't remember Volgrim but you you're definitely meeting Volgrim for the first time here and you're getting that interaction the story is basically you're trying to preserve the balance uh someone in hell is is there's they're planning a coup and you're trying to sort it out so you end up working with some of the demons and it kind of gets more into like eden heaven and hell the nephilim you get more of that story as to to why you're the horseman and it feels to me like maybe this stuff was explored in the other games but it feels to me like they're kind of filling in some of the lore cracks with with this story here with with darksiders genesis and i'm really digging it because I think that that's a strong testament to Darksiders 1 and 2 is like, I don't remember a whole lot about those games, but I remember the story and I'm remembering bits of those stories thanks to Darksiders Genesis. And it's, it's really neat um, the way they've, they've been able to revisit these characters in a new way. And Mm -hmm. yeah, and there's like, you know, you buy moves for your characters. So there's, there's the shop. So you're not getting loot but you're collecting souls and then you're trading them to Vulgrim and some of the other characters you have in sort of the, the waiting area. So you're buying new moves. You're constantly like getting new stuff to try for your character. Um, they don't have like skills, like uh, like in Diablo, you've got sort of your skill sets. In this one, they don't have skill sets, but they call them creature cores. And you collect these cores from characters they or from enemies they randomly drop sometimes and and they upgrade from levels one through three based on how many you've collected over the course of your game. And then there's like a grid system where you can slot them in to specific slots and like finish this grid and kind of augment your character uh, based on which cores you slot in. And there are four types okay. of cores and you've got to match I was just them saying, it and... sounds it sounds like a little bit confusing, but mm-hmm. I feel like maybe if I was like actually in there looking at the UI, it would make it's... a little bit more sense. Not that you can't explain no. things. No, no, no. But it's it, it very just, it sounds a little bit it's a it's a uh, lot hard to, to follow. Take in. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to follow. And and honestly, they don't really introduce it to you until like chapter five, in which I thought, like, man, I've been collecting these cores. What do they do? And they're just these these little things on the ground. You pick them up and it's like, oh, this is a core for the, you know, this grub. And it's going to give you 1% extra health. It's like, oh, I don't know. How do I equip these? Don't worry about it. And then later on, <laughs> you unlock the creature core. And it's it's kind of, you just picture it as a grid or like a sort of a, a connected grid. And you have to fill out, fill out the grid with these cores to kind of unlock more cores. And it's like a connected I guess a grid isn't the best way to, but it's like a tree, <laughs> like a skill tree. I should have just started with that, but okay, <laughs> it's very, it's very simple, and it's nothing like you know, if you're picturing like a grid level up system, and you're just like, oh my gosh, I can picture the most complex sort of system, and it's really not. It's it's very, it's very simple, almost to the point where I'm not really paying attention. I'm just like, I'm gonna match this sword symbol to this other sword symbol and make sure I'm min maxing, but not spending too much time here. And 
it's it's a it's it's a neat you know extra way to boost your characters but if you're playing on normal you don't need to worry about you know having an extra two percent power right it's not going to make a difference but if you're trying to push the additional difficulty levels and and get higher scores in in the arena you're going to probably want to try to min max your character but i don't know i've just been mashing my way through and having a good time and yeah so overall overall thumbs up and more of the darksiders universe that we love yeah it's definitely more there there are some bugs and stuff i uh, like actually before i was playing i loaded into a dungeon so in in the maps sometimes you progress into what they call a dungeon it's just another area of the map uh but i was falling infinitely and i'm like well i don't know how to fix this so i had to like abandon the mission it's like oh don't worry we'll save your progress it's like well it didn't really save my progress because when i looped back into the mission i had to start all over um so there's some checkpointing issues there's some some you get caught on geometry sometimes i had a i had an enemy like shoot me into a wall and then i was kind of like constantly floating and the only way i i I was like oh man i'm stuck the only way i could kind of think to try to get out of it was to switch characters on the fly and and that did work but it was still kind of like a little spooky you know it's always not fun when your character gets stuck and you feel like you're being kind of punished. But I think at this point, what I would suggest to folks is that if they want to experience more Darksiders and they and they enjoy, even to a certain extent, the Diablo style, like again, you know, we talk about Dark Souls, uh, it wouldn't be your first choice for a Darksiders combat. But Right. Like, but it wasn't terrible. Like once yeah. I got into it, it, it was, I kind of got the hang of it and... It was better. It's Diablo light. It's definitely Diablo light. I don't think you need to worry about this coming in. It's like, oh, this is a Diablo sequel, but in Darksiders. It's it's very much doing what you know best in terms of Darksiders. Like you do enough damage to an enemy and then the circle, you know, I was playing on PS4. So the circle button pops up and that like does a finishing move and you get to move on. You're constantly having like health pool all over and you just pick it up as you walk over and it's not as complex as as diablo but it's got that feel and the story is really neat i would probably suggest you know checking it out on pc because i think you're going to have more options in terms of co-op i didn't get a chance to try co-op because i am playing it on on the console and it is fairly new but i think it's and it's also at a premium on console i think we were talking about it last week it's like 50 bucks on playstation and then maybe on Steam, I think it's like 30 bucks. So also keep that in mind as well. Like if you're looking to play this and you want to play with friends, I think Steam's your best option. Um, mm-hmm. The game didn't light the world on fire, but I think just like Darksiders 3, it's probably got a a longer tail to like keep the Darksiders name alive. And, it, and it's worth, I think it's worth checking out. Like if you enjoy the story and you like the way they portray these characters and portray like Heaven and Hell and the Nephilim and all that fun stuff, it's it's worth sort of experiencing well i do like all those things (laughs) yeah so you should check it out i think you know maybe wait for the next uh the next sale on on steam and and see i'm just looking it up to see how much it is yeah it's 30 34 on steam and i'm pretty sure it's like 50 bucks on console i i don't think I don't think you're getting an especially different game on console. I think if you play it on PC, you're going to get the probably the best experience. I'm playing on the PS4 Pro, but there's not the game's not doing anything that 
that should be uh, taxing uh, a, right. a gen, like a launch system, but Darksiders <laughs> 3. poor launch systems. They just can't keep up anymore, which, I mean, I understand we're at the end of their cycle, but like, oh, just rip, rip my consoles. <laughs> <laughs> Although I know like, so I didn't play it this week, but my, my husband did try the, the Final Fantasy demo that just came out and he said it was because I said, I'm like, do I need to get a new PlayStation? He's like, no. I was like, damn it. <laughs> so <laughs> that does play OK on the on the launch system. So oh, well, I'm yeah. going to check that one out for for next week. But I, I was mistaken. It's so it's 34 Canadian on Steam for Darkstars Genesis. It's $40 Canadian on Xbox uh, and probably PS4 as well. It, it might right. have been the digital deluxe I was looking at. But uh, yeah, I think you dig it. It's it's definitely like a lighter sort of experience, and uh, so it's a good sort of sit back and mash some buttons and just zone out type game. Right. Uh, so, did you want to talk a little bit about the wireless Nintendo Switch uh, controller before we move into our news this week? Yeah, quickly. Uh, so the Super NES uh, controller for the Nintendo Switch they they were kind of sold out for a while and in typical ryan buys nintendo stuff fashion oh man they're <laughs> back in stock so i bought one uh but man they are it's a slick little thing like it, it it's a, a super nes controller but it's wireless and it feels like you're playing these games with the proper controller and i think that was the core issue with the nes controllers they had for the nintendo switches like they were part joy con you had to like slide mm. them in but this one's USB-C. It feels really good. Uh, it plays perfectly with the Super NES and NES apps. So I don't know if I'd... And that's the other thing. The NES controller isn't comfortable, whereas the SNES controller is. Who would have thought? Okay, maybe right? not putting sharp corners on a, con- on a controller. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, I had to like think back to like the 90s for a second. And I was like, why would that? Oh, right. Because one was like a literal rectangle and it's the other one was like a bunch of boxes laid on top of yeah. it. The only, the only comfortable <laughs> part was the actual like A and B buttons. Everything else felt right. like it was going to give you blisters. But the the Super NES controller is just, it. it's smooth. It's contoured. Like it's it fits in your hands really well. So it feels really good when you're playing, you know, the Super NES and even the NES games. And it works in other games. It's treated as a, as a normal controller. But any game that requires or doesn't allow you to use the D-pad, you're going to run into issues. So it worked fine in Super Mario Maker 2, which is, you know, a plus, like a thumbs up for sure. But it does not work with Link's Awakening because Link's Awakening requires the, uh, the analog stick to work so i was a bit bummed by that but it works great in sonic mania so again like it's just it's just a it, there's really not a lot more to say it's a super nes controller it's totally worth the i think it's like it was like 40 dollars canadian um yeah it's 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 a really good controller but it's totally just for the nintendo switch so it, it's a little expensive but it makes those how games much was fun. it again sorry it was like uh it was like 50 bucks after like taxes and shipping 50 canadian okay so i mean you know it's wireless it's USB-C charging it, it it's it it's literally a super nes controller but wireless and you know it's and it's official as well so um which yeah. is always good because i know like sometimes nintendo can be a little bit slow uh in terms of like how quickly they put out accessories which then leads a lot of third-party people to make Nintendo accessories, which are very hit and miss. 
but they're not that far off of that Nintendo price point. So I'm always super wary of things like made for Nintendo, but not made by Nintendo. So yeah, the fact that this is actually made by Nintendo and like official stuff like official accessories it's actually kind of a big deal <laughs> yeah i think i think if you really dig the idea of playing super nes and nes games on your nintendo switch at home on the big screen it, it's it's worth looking at this controller and, and and thinking about investing in it i it's it just it it feels really good and it works really good and sometimes you just want that nostalgic feel like you can use your pro controller. You can use your joy cons to play these games. Of course. However, it just doesn't feel the same. And if you're really looking for that nostalgia hit, it's probably the best way to do it for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, if you guys like the show and want to support us, you can head to patreon.com slash the gamers in. You can also head on over to our discord and join in all of our super fun conversations. That's bit.ly slash TGI discord. Our topic of the week this week, we're going to be talking about GDC because originally our conversation was going to be about companies stepping away due to the coronavirus, which I'm sure you guys are all super sick of hearing about. But <laughs> um, yeah, basically, there were a whole bunch of companies that were walking away from GDC and saying that they weren't going to attend because of the viral outbreak. But now GDC has just straight up been delayed to summer, so not completely canceled. Hmm. but delayed until uh, summer 2020. So, I mean, not entirely surprising. Uh, we just had PAX this last weekend, and it seemed to go fairly well. Um, I mean, I saw a lot of people who were super stoked to be there, but there have been a lot of conferences um, that are kind of scheduled for a few weeks in the future that are deciding to kind of walk away and maybe delay, maybe cancel. There's... Ryan, I don't know if you've heard, like, maybe I should have mentioned this when we were talking about Sonic, but they're talking about canceling the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did. Because Mario that. and Sonic do the Olympic Games. That I'll, game. Sonic, it? I think Mario is definitely uh, an official mascot of the Olympics and yeah. Sonic <laughs> might be up there uh, in terms of, you know, J Japan's sort of collection of amazing, iconic characters. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy the way the coronavirus is is certainly affecting the the month to month the day to day you know mm -hmm. the, the, our, our our expected events to the point where people are sort of looking at announceables of these new consoles and thinking like okay like if all of our big physical in person events are being delayed or canceled where does Microsoft and Sony sort of do the big console reveal because it hasn't traditionally been done by posting a video on YouTube like Nintendo's done. It's usually done at this big in-person trade show style event. Mm -hmm. And GDC being delayed is kind of the first sort of wave of this. Uh, does E3 feel the same pressure? Um, oh, I'm uh, sure they do. And I mean, it's, it's way too early to talk about canceling or postponing e3 but i think uh, if gdc is already pushing their event all the way back to summer then i don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that the e3 organizers are at least like entertaining the idea and running through like what if type scenarios for sure yeah you uh, have to at this point you do i mean if, if these these events being postponed or canceled it's 
it's definitely like, okay, let's, let's set up a meeting here and figure this out. Um, I, I don't know if like June and the reason they're talking about the canceling the Olympics is because that is such a huge beast that if you want to cancel it, you kind of have to figure oh, you that out ahead do it of time. Now. Yeah. yeah. Like now <laughs> or in the next month, like what's our, what, what, what's the time frame here where we just have to keep going and do the Olympics no matter what. Uh, cause it's such a huge machine and I mean, GDC, maybe, I guess it might've been something easier to call so close. I, I think, I don't even know what the official dates are for GDC or would have been in March, but, uh, that definitely it would have been, I think it's mid-March maybe, or early March. I can't really remember now. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, it's not anymore in March, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's these things where I think they had enough large high profile, you know, companies pulling out and backing at that. Yeah. What's the point in holding it if most of our attendees aren't coming? <laughs> yeah. So with, in, you know, Nintendo, uh, hasn't so far pulled out of a large sort of trade show like this. Sony made headlines, uh, by pulling out of PAX. Even the mayor of Boston actually wrote an open letter to, to Sony saying like this reinforces sort of stereotypes that aren't necessarily true in the sense that if you have this large scale event with a bunch of people in it, like a lot of people are going to get sick. Like, I don't know if there have been those reports. Have you seen reports from PAX as to whether people actually well, outside I mean, of like, Concord, right? But yeah, well, and that's kind of the thing, right? Is that I find, well, I mean, BlizzCon is a perfect example. I got so sick after last year's BlizzCon. I didn't think I was going to be able to get on my plane home. Like mm-hmm. I was literally Googling can they kick me off a plane for having a like 103 degree fever? <laughs> like it was bad. So, I mean, as much as people say, or I guess the mayor of Boston says, you know, that it's, it's not a thing. It is totally a thing. Like Pax Pox is a thing that they talk about every oh. single year. And you just like, there's all over the place. People are saying, you know, remember like hygiene, wash your hands, blah, 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 all this stuff. And it doesn't help. Like at those big, huge conventions, there are just too many people. And especially because they have this whole, like, I've come this far. I don't want to miss out. I paid so much money, blah, 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 excuse, excuse, excuse. No matter how they're feeling, people will still go to these conventions. And then there are so many just surfaces like you're you're talking about like you've got demo stations, you've got even like you're waiting in line, you've got the like um the like ribbon rope things to for lineups with the like staunches that you can, you know, people lean on those things all the time. Like everyone is touching everything, you are going to get sick, like no matter how careful you are. Even if you are like not touching anyone or anything and just washing your hands all the time. You still have to breathe. <laughs> so spoiler alert, <laughs> you're going to breathe in something. Uh, yeah. And then it's just a matter of like, and the other, like the other half of it, not only like people bringing like sickness into these conventions, into these public spaces, but you yourself have that same mindset, right? Like I paid so much money. I don't want to miss it. Blah, 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 which then leads you to you know, not sleeping enough, not taking care of yourself, wanting to, you know, see everything and do everything, which means you get really run down, which means your immune system isn't equipped to cope with it as best as it probably would if you were like at home. Mm -hmm. So you've got this, like, you've got people bringing stuff in that they shouldn't. You've got a whole bunch of places you can pick it up and then you yourself are run down and tired and maybe not able to fight stuff off as well. So yeah, big conferences, 100%, like, 
you get sick. <laughs> it just depends on like how bad is it going to be? Because there's been years that, you know, I've had okay BlizzCons and I've kind of come home and I've just had like a scratchy throat or a little bit of a cough or something. Mm -hmm. But like things will be transmitted. <laughs> so, yeah, like you're going to get mean, It's a sick. little bit ridiculous for somebody to say like, oh, it's just a rumor. It's not real. It's like, no, it's a 100% a thing. I, and I, <laughs> and I get think, sick at conferences. Oh, yeah. And I think with the PAX East thing, I think we were early on in the coronavirus sort of, uh, yeah, yeah, we were sort of early on. We knew what it was. We knew what was happening. But we were early on in sort of like, do we do this thing or not? And I think it was maybe a gut reaction from from the mayor to to say like, hey, maybe don't pull out. Like, you know, PlayStation well, is probably totally the largest company, right? I completely get it. And I understand where the mayor would be coming from because I know like, Ryan, you're a little younger than me. So maybe you don't remember quite as well. But when SARS came to Toronto and Toronto was like a hotbed, like mm -hmm. it crippled the economy. Like the Toronto economy lost almost a billion dollars in the year that we had, like just from like tourism dollars mm -hmm. from the year that would like the, the summer of SARS. Like it was a really, really big deal. So when these kind of outbreaks happen, and as far as I know, Boston isn't like doesn't have cases, isn't known for it or anything like that. It's just it's more people being like overly cautious. But uh, like, I understand why the mayor would want to like try to intervene and say, like, don't pull out. Everything will be fine. Please still come to our city because it can have such a big yeah. impact on the economy, especially an event like PAX. Like PAX is huge. Yeah, well, China's uh, economy is certainly taking a hit, you know, and I think the, yeah. the, there was another location. We were talking about it today at work, but but either way, I think uh, yeah. as you look at these well, events. Well, I, like, I, I don't necessarily want to go like too, too far down no. into the economic impacts of tourism from canceled conventions, but <laughs> uh, because I mean, really what the big news is and where we were going to go with this story before the actual cancellation happened was that because Microsoft had pulled up doing was posting all of the kind of like xbox announcements just yeah. on their twitter feed they were just like okay guys like guess what we're not doing gdc so who's excited for series x Blah. And yeah it was, it was just, just like a, a thread of like four tweets thread on twitter yeah <laughs> so we have a, more details about the series x which i i still uh, hate this naming convention but whatever we're, it's um, gonna grow I, it's gonna be fine i just I get so confused because their last three consoles have been like the S, the X, and now we have the Series X. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> like, oh, why? It's, it's not easy to say. And that's, that's my <sighs> thing. It's fine to write. I'm totally cool with that. But saying Xbox Series X, that's the yeah, hardest it's part. Just, it's, it's too much sounds yeah you should just call it x it's even no i was gonna say call it xsx but nope you can't do that no you can't do that it's even worse anyways we have more uh more kind of info some tech specs kind of things it's um is there anything here and we'll have the the link to the thread in our um in our show notes but also if you're looking for it it was just from like the straight up xbox account mm -hmm. so if you just go to twitter and look at at xbox it's it's all there but um is there we're stoked about um it seems like they've got just i mean they're talking about things that i don't even think are actual words <laughs> like right. we have 12 teraflops 
Yep. Huzzah. Like it's, it's... custom RDNA 2 and Zen processors. Like, uh, okay. <laughs> These are not words that mean anything to me. <laughs> I think that those are very hardware and uh, very hardware specific where I think they did mention the ray tracing buzzword. So sure, that's, yeah. that's happening still. <laughs> I think for me, it's it's more about what the games look like. And I, yeah. I, I have a general understanding what a teraflop is and like a Zen 2 processor and all that fun stuff. But at the end of the day, it's about what they do with the hardware. It's not about the numbers. And mm-hmm. there, there was a time when console, I remember very vividly when, um, the Wii was announced alongside, I think, the PS3 and Xbox 360. And people were just, especially in high school, they were all over the Wii. Like, oh, my God, it's going to fail. It's the, it's not strong enough. Like, blah, blah, blah. And they were right to a certain extent, you know, in the sense that they couldn't. Well, it never it couldn't play the same stuff that yeah. the other two consoles were playing. But that's also not what it was trying to do exactly it's about what you do with the hardware but i don't know if <laughs> the we hardware have... you're given the hardware not... oh <laughs> don't never mind never don't. mind what are you doing <laughs> pull up <laughs> uh anyways <laughs> uh <laughs> that didn't make it better ryan that didn't make it better anyways it? yeah so i don't no. know That's, um, anyway basically what i'm saying is like the the xbox series x and the playstation 5 it's they're more close together than any bef- any any other console um yeah and and you saw that with the xbox one uh and the ps4 as well as they started to come together in terms of the architecture and it was what you did with the hardware as opposed to having like a specific Just type of processor more. exactly yeah. so what really comes down to it, the cool part is, is uh, again, these consoles are going to have custom build SSDs. We already knew that. They're going to have 120 frame per second support. That's what the Xbox Series X is saying. Uh, but the very most interesting part about this whole thread is the additional details we got on compatibility yes. with uh, the feature that they're calling smart delivery. And when we talk about names, I think smart delivery is a really good sort of marketing term for what they're trying to do because when you throw out the it's not terrible it's not (laughs) when you throw the word compatibility it's like well what does that mean like it's so generic that it could mean a bunch of things but what they're saying with smart delivery is like literally you buy a game and you're gonna get the best version of that game for the hardware the xbox hardware that you're playing it on and across that's four generate yeah across four generations they said so that's mm. going to be obviously the series x which is the newest one then the xbox one and then like how far back are we going from there like i guess well you'd have 360, 360 and xbox right so and the original xbox yeah so and- like basically anything that's ever been put out on an xbox you're going to be able to play on the series x and it's going to be the best version of that game and Cyberpunk 2077 mm-hmm. tweeted something out that was really interesting and kind of blew my mind a little bit because um, they essentially said, so So Cyberpunk 2077, excuse me, releases, uh, did get pushed back, releases on September 17th. Now, we're not expecting like the Xbox and the PlayStation until probably a month and a half, like probably about six weeks after that. But Cyberpunk tweeted out and said what this smart delivery from Xbox means is that when you purchase Cyberpunk 2077, when you go to play it, you will always have the best version of the game. So you will be automatically upgraded to a Series X version for free when it becomes available. Like, 
mind blown Mm -hmm. and i mean this is like when you and this is the thing every console generation that comes out you've got these folks that are very focused on pc gaming and they say like this is literally what we've had for decades and (laughs) and this is it this is another one of those moments where they're just shaking their fist at their you know uh you know high g-sync monitor as they're saying and i just had to look over for a term because i have one of those but (laughs) essentially like they're they're shaking their fist at their monitor saying like we've had this for decades you know right and i this it's great the more that consoles can bring in that that has worked so well on pcs for for such a long time the better and the fact that cyberpunk 2077 cd uh cd project red a company not owned by microsoft uh, an independent sort of developer and I think publisher as well. I don't know if they sub- sell. Either way, it's not Microsoft. It's an it's a company saying our game Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is going to take advantage of smart delivery. We're not going to charge you twice if you want to yeah. play this game on both your Xbox One and your Xbox Series X. And I think that's going to create something similar to what we saw last generation, or I guess still this generation with Microsoft and Sony. Or Microsoft making these big progressive steps to say, no, we're going to be very consumer focused with this. And then Sony saying like, like just sitting there with, with the, you know, the ball in their hands and like, I don't know what we're going to do here. We've really enjoyed, you know, taking money and having a closed <laughs> taking money twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you saw that with cross play you and, and Sony certainly delivered their hits to Microsoft as well early in this generation. But I think what we're seeing now is Microsoft being very, consumer focused and sony having to to catch up and we don't know at this point if sony's going to have a similar system um and i think any publisher that doesn't offer this on xbox especially if i mean i was going to be i'm i was cool if it was just microsoft games but the fact that it could be third-party publishers as well you're gonna look bad if you don't do this Mm -hmm. you know if high profile games like this was a business you know case for some like you look at gta they released gta 5 on on ps3 and xbox 360 you knew full well that they were going to release a next gen version at full cost a year later and they did and people bought it twice so this is kind of a big deal like we're we're gonna have we're not gonna have cross-generation games we're still gonna have cross-generation experiences but we're not gonna have these buying you know the game twice and that's that's huge and i really want to see uh you know publishers take advantage of this i i think it's very it's very good for the consumer mm-hmm. absolutely do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up uh well i'm unfortunately what i would say is this is even more reason probably not to buy an xbox series x right away unless there's like really some some stellar hits that you want that more more power for but yeah like i'm excited that when i have cyberpunk 2077 and halo infinite i'm going to be able to to play it on better hardware when i'm ready not necessarily when when microsoft thinks i'm ready yep (laughs) fair enough all right well i think that's going to do it for us this week thank you guys so much for listening again you can hit us up on discord at bit.ly slash tgi discord or you can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com you can follow us on twitter you can find me jocelyn at joss plays brian is at r murphy and don't forget to follow the show at the gamers in thanks for staying at the gamers in and remember tune in next week bye everybody bye everyone